Welcome to the Autonomy Talent Podcast, where we feature creatives, discuss what they do, what they do to promote their creative endeavors, and try to come up with new methods that might boost their results and yours. We'll also have the occasional industry expert here to talk about what's new in digital marketing. So enjoy the show and remember to always live intentionally. Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcast. I have a guest today who I've come to know over the past few weeks. He's an extremely talented artist with a very eclectic yet unique style about him. Please welcome Mr. Mike Allen. Hello, Mike. How are you today? Hello, sir. Thank you for the kind words. Absolutely. So, Mike, what, what are you up to today? Just... Let's just BS for a minute. Sure. Um, I I work, you know, usual 40-hour-a-week job, and today just happens to be my Saturday. You know, I kind of work through the weekend and uh, work at a nursing home, and uh, today just happens to be my day off. So I thought what a, what a good day today would be to hook up with my new friend Bill and talk shop a bit. Spectacular. I, I gotta tell you, I'm not envious of you working in nursing homes right now because those right? places have been hammered by COVID. Yes, they have. And we're we're in a lucky spot right now and no one's got it. And we're obviously hoping to keep it that way. So yeah, absolutely. My mother is in a nursing home down in East Texas, um, a couple hours east of Dallas. Um and she's in the memory ward because she has advanced dementia now. Uh-huh. Yep. Um and just a little over a week ago now, my dad texted me and my brother to let us know that in a different wing, it was not in her wing, thank goodness. So, and they've tested, she was clear at the time. Yeah. But, but like one old man got sent to the hospital and tested. Sure enough, he had it. And yeah. then they tested everybody and three other people, three other patients over in, or I don't know what they call them patients there, but three other um, residents there. Yeah, tested positive as well. I haven't heard anything on, you know, if they're symptomatic or to what level yet. But uh, then a few days later, my dad texted again saying that four of the employees have now tested positive. So, yep, that's a terrifying situation too because you know you get in a an environment like a nursing home that's you know enclosed in a small space like that, and one person gets it, and you're almost bound to see more cases spring right up and it's just impossible to contain and oh, just yeah. a, a nightmare when everyone Absolutely. who lives there is completely sequestered pretty much to that location there's no getting away from it and then you've got all of you that are working there that are exposed all day yep. every day it's just yep there was one nursing home just on the north side of the dallas fort worth area here in a, in a town called denton um it's part of our metro area there was one nursing home that I know there were at least like 60 or 70 cases of it. It was just, it, it ran through that place like a recessive gene. Yeah. 
yeah, it's that's the hardest part about it. It's like one person gets it, everyone's got it. I mean, sooner or later, you know, it's just such a hard thing to contain. And that particular group of people, you know, it's it's kind of it's it's tough when you're that age and you get it. You know, it, it things yeah. don't look good for you when you're that age and you get that. And it's especially if you're in a nursing home because. Many of the people there already have health problems. That's why they're there. Right. Yep. Hope we can get it under control here someday soon. And it seems like this stuff is really hammers anybody that has any pre-existing type of health condition at all. And it's you're way more um, susceptible to you know, be at yeah. higher risk for, for, for mortality rate. Yeah, a friend of mine who's my age, he's got a couple autoimmune diseases and he works at the he works in a university setting and he he hasn't been to work in a couple of months now cuz like if if he gets it he's in big trouble. And it's a scary thing. Yeah. And my ex-wife has a an autoimmune syndrome. It's okay. minor. It's one of the more minor ones that's um just a genetic thing, but um, to do with the thyroid, but um, yeah, she's been extremely paranoid about this. And yeah, right, right sure. so, but she—I think she's taken it to extremes myself. But yeah, uh, that's between she and I. But um, <laughs> I, I understand why. And she's a school teacher, but you know, fortunately they closed the, those little petri dishes down. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No telling when those will open back up. Yeah, it was. Um, well, my daughter's last day of school, and I'm doing finger quotes. I know you uh-huh. can't see it, but yeah. <laughs> her yeah. last day of school was last Thursday. Um, so, yeah, maybe they'll get to go back in the fall. I hope so. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like it was um, – well, when they broke for spring break in like the second week of March, they never went back. Yeah. It was during that week that things started going bad. And it was like the very next week they started – everything else started shutting down. So – they like, uh, yeah, we're just not, we're going to wait maybe in like um, May or April, maybe May. They kept pushing it back to a couple weeks until finally it was like, if we did get back, it might be a week or two. So they're like, okay, we're just, we're not coming back to school this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's just call it, let's call it good right now and say, let's just not return this year. Somewhere around mid-April, they finally just called it and they're like, you know what, even if we got it under control tomorrow, by the time we get back here, it wouldn't even be worth the effort. So let's just yeah. call it. Yeah, probably a wise move. But my daughter was saying that you know, she's 12 now. She was in sixth grade. And uh, she was able to get all, all her schoolwork done every day in like between an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. She was digging it. But then yeah. it got to the point where she was looking forward to her schoolwork because it was something for her to do. Yeah. That's quite telling when a when – a, a person of that age is looking forward to uh, <laughs> schoolwork. Definitely, because she took after me in the regard that she is not a fan of sitting in a classroom. Yeah, not a big fan. Yep. I was in my late twenties before I finally went back and actually got a degree. But um, yeah, I, I and some sometimes I wouldn't mind going back and furthering that in a different career field, more towards this sort of thing now, but. I just don't see me sitting in a classroom again anymore at my age. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, maybe eventually at some point, but I don't know. I, I, I'm i right there with you, man. I'm pushing 50 now, so I, I just don't see it happening. I, mm. I, 
I don't see anything. I don't foresee anything in my future that would ever get me back into a classroom. Maybe for yeah. like a you know a day long little course on something, but like to sit down and like do a full curriculum or something. Nope. Yeah, it'd be tough. I never really enjoyed it to begin with, and now I've got yeah. too much other stuff I'd rather focus my attention on. Yep. Yeah. I'd rather be out here helping promote independent artists than sit in a freaking classroom somewhere. And as I've said a couple of times in our interactions, that's a hugely appreciated thing that you're doing and not, you know, you don't see a lot of that happen, but, you know, especially when you're, you know, up and coming or whatever, yep. you know, a smaller artist and, you know, it's very seldom when somebody reaches out and says, Hey, I want to give you a hand. And, uh, it's pretty cool when that happens. So uh, I thank you for that. <clears throat> I'm more than happy to do it. Well, that's all. You ever thought about the more than happy? I was like, how can you be more than happy to do something? <laughs> <laughs> Either you're happy to do it or you're not. There's no more than happy. I'm, I'm happy, but a little bit above happy to do it. Yeah. I'm more than happy. I'm ecstatic to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Actually, I, I enjoy it. I, I believe I mentioned it in uh, the Indie Artist Spotlight episode I did with your music. Yeah. That I, I just enjoy, A, getting to talk to all these amazing artists. Like, literally, I've talked to people from all over the world. Just earlier today, I broke a record, by the way, for my longest ever episode of this show. Yeah. I I've talked with that. Lauren Nordstrom for two hours and ten minutes a little while ago. Nice. And she's a... a, a indie artist singer songwriter from south africa nice that's amazing i have talked with the uh, of the guests i've had on here so far i had a uh, hipster pug yeah he's a uh, he's from uh holland yeah i follow uh, him yep yeah 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 you know him um yep. i've talked with uh aiden cross from the band weimar and is that the band from uh, Manchester? Exactly. There's the guys from Manchester. Yeah, I listened to that whole uh, that whole podcast and really cool stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, just doing what you're doing, you get a chance to talk to these people that you wouldn't have otherwise had a clue even existed. So it's it's exactly. It's I've pretty discovered so many amazing artists this way that I'm really enjoying now, and so. Uh, I'm benefiting greatly from this myself. So. Yeah, that's rad. I mean, and plus, awesome. I'm building brand equity for the autonomy brand that I can yeah. then turn and pour back into the indie community. So it's all a win-win-win all the way around for everybody. Absolutely, and that's pretty cool. People out there get to find new artists that they wouldn't have heard of otherwise. Yeah. Every everybody wins. That's that's my philosophy on life from now on. Like I I, I won't touch anything unless everyone involved is going to win. Yeah, no, that's good philosophy to go by. I've actually recorded another episode that has yet to air. I pushed it back because of her schedule, because she has an album coming out, uh, like I think in uh, June, and she wanted to push it back to drop like just before the album drops to kind of get a little bit of buzz. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I'm more than willing to you know help out do whatever I can to schedule this around your release dates, you know, to help you. Cause I am it's all about helping the indie artists. So if, if I can do any little thing, the scheduling wise to help even more by all means, just let me know. But, um, this girl named, uh, Minnie, she's a drummer from Singapore. Okay. So, 
and it was it was hilarious. Like when I was uh, getting ready to do our, our episode, it was like the the day before I was kind of or earlier that same day. I can't remember. I was scrolling her Instagram feed. That's where I met her. That's where I found her. I was on Instagram, and uh, um, I had noticed this one image of her playing a show with her band. That spot looks familiar, and uh, so I read the description. I'm like, oh, it should look familiar. I've been there. No <laughs> kidding. They were playing at the Hard Rock Cafe there in Singapore. I'm like, it looks exactly the same as it did when I was there in 92. Wow. <laughs> How cool is that? It was really cool. And yeah. It was funny because I brought that up to her on the when we were recording. She was like, 1992? I wasn't even born yet. I was like, yeah. I didn't think you were. <laughs> wow. That's funny. <clears throat> nice. I got to see a lot of that part of the world when I was in the Navy in the in my early twenty late teens, early twenties. Because I was twenty by the time I actually went out to sea. I saw that photo of you and I followed you on Instagram of you in ninety one of uh when you were um in the military. Looked like a long time ago, huh? <clears throat> must have been on my personal account, huh? Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. yeah the the at Bill Gilwick one. Yep. 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 Because I, I have the at Autonomy Talent and at Autonomy Pod also. Sure. Yeah. And there's also the the Day Drinking Dad one that I don't I don't really mention that one a whole lot on here, but <laughs> it's it's a strictly comedic one. Sure. And the Instagram it's actually that name was taken, so it's actually Dad Day Drinking on Instagram. I'm like crap. I didn't even realize that until it had already auto generated that name for me. It auto corrected because oh. the one I wanted was taken. Right, right. I was like, oh well, it'll it'll, it'll be fine. I would have put a, like an underscore in it or something instead, but oh well, it's fine. But I hadn't yeah. really focused on that Instagram much. That Facebook, uh, I've really worked over the past couple of years growing that Facebook page, but uh-huh. it's a, just another brand that I, I do mainly for fun and to experiment with ads and such. It's got like eight thousand likes or something like that on Facebook. It's not huge, but it's you know it's a fun that's, spot to experiment. Yeah, no, I mean that's nothing to scoff at. I don't think. I mean. That's that's a pretty pretty solid number, I would say. I haven't been really active on it lately either. I haven't even posted like maybe three things to that page in like the last month. So I've been really too focused on this stuff to even bother with it very much. I kind of gave up on Facebook a while back. Now I just have my wife and I have a shared account that we just kind of post things that family members can see but i used to be pretty active on facebook like it was a band page a mike allen band page i think it might still be up out there somewhere in cyberspace but now i'm just mostly on twitter and instagram as of late like i spend more time on twitter than all other social networks combined and i've had this love hate off and on relationship with twitter for more than a decade now it was really hot for some stuff early on then it kind of fizzled for a while or maybe it didn't really fizzle but what i was kind of kind of like transitioned into didn't really fit twitter very well and yeah. came back around to it like my uh, ex was doing a lot of resale stuff on ebay for a while for several years actually and uh twitter turned out to be the place to blow that up and i, mean, I was i was getting i was driving like 10,000 views a day to Damn. her page to wow. her own products. So she had like, she had like three or 400 products, you know, yeah, or, yeah. or items listed at a time. Yeah. So each one of them was getting hundreds of views. So it wound up thousands and anywhere from five to 10,000 views a day. 
Damn. 95% of it was coming from Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I've I've discovered more bands and uh, people willing to help other artists on Twitter than I had, you know, Facebook, MySpace, Instagram combined. You know, it's just Twitter's a... I mean, I the only thing I use Twitter for is my music. I don't really do anything uh, personal or political or anything like that on it. It's it's all kind of that's like my main music page, if you will, I guess. Um, and you know, I have I have like all all the videos that I've made are up on Instagram and YouTube. But um, I don't know if I don't know how much longer Facebook's going to hang on. Probably forever. I think people are just so it's so ingrained in the uh, in people's minds now that. I think it's just going to, it's not going to go anywhere, or at least anytime soon. Yeah, we all thought that about Yahoo at one point. Right? True, you never know. very true. <laughs> AOL. Yeah. Netscape. Yep. But, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think they'll be around at least in some form for Lord knows how long. But um, Facebook, it's just morphed over the years, and it's it's taken on kind of different personas, and it's really more different little subgenres and whatnot have kind of migrated that way. If you're into a uh, country music, uh-huh. it's huge on Facebook. Like, okay. <laughs> country music artists, for some reason, I guess because there's like their fan base is typically an older demographic. And that's kind of more what spends time on Facebook is the old, older crowd. Yeah. I'm in that crowd, but I'm not one of them. I'm over there at least a few times a day, but I don't spend a lot of time there anymore. But then, uh, you know, that makes sense that the country artists would kind of migrate to where their fan base is. Exactly. Yeah. Good on them for sure. And for discovery, like for local stuff it's really good for that as well. I'm in several local groups. Like I have a, there's one that I'm actually a, an admin of now. It's uh for the Dallas Fort Worth area. It's a, it's called like DFW musician search okay. for, for musicians that like you're looking for a new bass player or whatever, you know, you jump on there and you can post about that. Or if you're just a, looking for a new band to join pop on there and tell about That's yourself cool. and maybe drop some links to some samples of your stuff and try to hook up with people yeah. to jam with. But I actually found my current band through that group. Is that right? Yep. A little over a year ago now. That's great, man. Anything like that that can, you know, bring like-minded people together and share ideas is, is pretty, pretty powerful tool. Absolutely. I've got several Facebook pages that I manage, <clears throat> only two that I'm really, I mean, the Autonomy Talent, of course, I'm fairly active on, and then I've got the, the Day Drinking Dad one that I, I already, we've already talked about that one, but yeah. I've got a couple other minor ones that I've piddled with here and there a little bit, but I've never really pursued very deeply, but I have a ton of groups. Groups are where the real power is on Facebook, so. Okay, yeah, yep. Uh, I'm in several musician groups, I'm in several comedy groups you just all kinds of stuff over there meme groups yeah. military former military groups and sure. military humor groups <laughs> you just name, yeah. name it but i actually manage a lot of groups over there as well so very cool i actually last count uh, a, a former business partner of mine and i had a we were when they first started opening up groups where you could do like the classified ads in, you could have like a group that was specifically for like a regional classified ad kind of like okay. Craigslist. Yeah. This was four years ago or so that they did that. 
my buddy and I at the time, uh, he was my he was the development side of our partnership, and uh, I was the marketing side of it. And we put this series of Facebook groups together. It was like it all, all had they all had the same name, just with a different city. And the idea was to build up, or no matter where you were, you had one of these. You knew where to look to go find the classified groups. You, you look for this name in whatever city you're in, and we kind of want to do a just a whole big network of groups like that for classified ads and there was even we'd even put a little companion website together that just had them all linked on there so no matter where you were you could find you know your page or your nearest page it was really kind of a cool idea but then they opened up the marketplace which made those groups completely irrelevant so but they're also sitting there like 50 of them (laughs) yeah oh yeah that's I've been trying cool. to think of a way to repurpose them, and I'm just really not coming up with anything. I'm probably going to wind up shutting them all down before long. <laughs> so, so uh, you, you're uh, pretty active on Instagram also? Yeah, I mean, I, I make these videos uh, with just, you know, Apple software, and whatever videos I make, I throw them up on my yeah, Instagram Yeah, yeah, I saw page. some, I saw some yeah. videos the other day. Yeah, and I they're up on YouTube. And, um, you know, not very like high value Hollywood style videos. It's all like clips from stuff that I find online and I just kind of piece them together and edit them a little bit. And it's one way, it's more of just kind of a way to grab somebody's attention visually so that maybe they'll give the music a chance. It's kind of just like a little, uh, I, I mean, technically, yeah it's a video but it's it's more of just like a hey here's this thing that you can watch while you listen to and maybe that'll that'll uh that's a really good idea you know what i mean (laughs) i think a lot of people are can relate to things when they have something to attach to it visually and um that's just my and that's just my thoughts i could be completely wrong i have no idea but it's just another way to like get it out there and no there's data that backs that up yeah yeah i follow several of the big you know the big social media pages that you know track all that stuff every year and like social media examiner and a couple of others and um yeah that the data supports that for sure yeah yeah makes sense they all release their reports every year and and uh I kind of weren't at one point I was trying to get into that game and do that and like just keeping track of social media networks and and do basically what those people do and then I realized that's just not where my passion lies. Yeah. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to, I had to back off from that a little bit. But right on. I'd rather just follow it and then use their data to help me do what I do than try to collect all that data myself. Yeah. No, I hear you. That sounds tedious. <laughs> extremely yeah that's worse than sitting in a classroom yeah <laughs> imagine oh my goodness yeah um i asked about instagram because i've kind of struggled with instagram myself personally I, I hate to admit that publicly but i have um when i started the um autonomy talent page or account back in the first part of November when I settled on the name and I did all the copyright searches and whatnot to be sure I wasn't stepping on anyone's toes. Everything was a go. So I registered the domain and immediately went and claimed the social, um, 
accounts and claimed that name all over social Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and a few others, LinkedIn, yeah, right. YouTube, name it. But um, I forgot where the hell I was going with that. Oh yeah, Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> I found growing that Instagram account is is kind of difficult because a lot of the indie artists aren't really looking there. They're posting their stuff there, but they're not really spending a lot of time looking for help yeah. and guidance and stuff on Instagram. That's not what they're there for. So it doesn't really work that well for the Autonomy Talent brand. So, yeah. And I'm okay with that. It'll grow slowly over the next few several years, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Just let it do what it's going to do. I'll keep posting there and let people that want to find it find it and and just let it go. But Twitter, like, like we were saying earlier, like you were saying earlier, I mean – Twitter is where everybody's reaching out to everybody, helping out, uh, creating playlists and just yeah. doing everything they can to help support each other. It's been, especially during, since this whole, like, you know, lockdown stuff has gone on, it's, it's been amplified. That whole camaraderie thing has just yeah. been escalated yeah. to the next level. It was pretty good before that, but it's, it, the, the uh, collaboration game has really stepped up. But you're right though. The, the Instagram, uh, it seems like a tougher crowd like to and like I think like you said I think it it just kind of it's more it's not the go-to place for um, coming together I guess artists finding new artists in, in that way like at least for me it's like I I've discovered more bands and people way more on Twitter than Instagram Instagram is doesn't you know, I've got very tiny, small amount of followers on Instagram, partially probably because I haven't really tried to yeah, gr grow it. But at the same, you know, I, I put a lot more focus on trying to gather more people on Twitter than I do Instagram. But it's, um, you know, you can't you can't the only links to anything you can do on Instagram, you know, it's got to be like in your bio and you, they only allow you to do like one link. And yep. so it's, it's a little bit tougher where, you know, but that's when you do stuff like you go get a link tree link and you, yes. know, you can like link from there to your link tree and have all this or do like what I prefer to do and put that all on, put a page on your website yeah. that has all your links on it instead. That way they're coming to your site and not over to link trees website. And at very least, maybe at some point later on down the road, if you have the Facebook tracking pixel installed on your site, you can have a, you can continually be building up an audience on Facebook of page visitors, people that have visited your website. Yeah. So if we, people that have visited your site have shown some level of interest in your music, say you're going on a tour and you're going to be hitting Toledo and you want to reach out to people there you can segment that list of people like within 100 miles of toledo yeah right and it will broadcast out to people who have expressed an interest in your music in that general area so it's it's good in that regard that's the only reason i really promote people to do that on their own site instead of like linktree but if you don't have your own website or you don't want to do that for one reason or another, Linktree, another, there's other services to do that, but Linktree yeah. seems to be the most popular. That's, yeah. a, that's a great option. I actually just recently, for the first time, even heard about Linktree. It's kind of how far behind I am in the times. Um, but yeah, it sounds like a pretty cool, uh, useful tool. 
It really is. And you can change out the links that are in there. Or you can have like um, put the top link be like your latest promo or your latest single or whatever you've got out. You know, you you want to draw people's attention to like put that link at the top. Yeah. And, and then everything else you have, like your Spotify links or your Twitter, or you, Instagram, YouTube, whatever links down there and just drop them all. I think you're limited to like four or five. I think five spaces, five links you can add with a free account. But I mean, uh-huh. that's really all most artists are going to need. You have your latest yeah. single at the top and like your Twitter. They're already on your Instagram, but you might want to put that there anyway. If you have a Facebook page and a YouTube page. That's it. What else do you yep. need? Yeah, I mean, those are the heavy hitters. You know, you just kind of put them at the top and yep, go from there. And if you have your own website, you can put that in there as well. So, do people do? I, I, mean, I, I know, like the bigger artists, you know, that have a solid base. I know, obviously, they've got their own actual websites, but like, yeah. it seems like having your own website when you're in like my position, for instance, where I'm just—it's not something. It's something that I hope to do full time one day, but it certainly isn't now. It's, it doesn't seem like it would it would pay to have a fully functioning website in 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 my situation. And I guess maybe anyone who's kind of up and coming or or trying to be up and coming, even you know, it like it uh, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's really worth having uh, a full-blown website all your own unless you kind of reach a certain level of uh interest from other people i guess if you will but i could you know i could be wrong i I just haven't i haven't entertained the idea of doing a website in quite some time it seems like you know like twitter and instagram and youtube that's the website (laughs) that's your website now but uh yeah and it's kind of morphed from that because you go back, um, let's see, this is probably, I guess, dang, that was a decade ago, around 2009 to 2012 range in that era. Yeah. Like, like if you were doing anything online, you needed to have your own real estate online. You needed to have your own web properties to really be even taken seriously at all. Yeah. But, yeah. and you were, and a lot of people like suggested you'd, don't put all your eggs in the baskets of social media because it's like they may change their algorithm tomorrow or they may, you know, see you think you violated their terms of service and just cancel your account out of the blue and you won't know and, and, and until it's too late. And, or, yeah. and that's happened. Like I'm, it was back around 08 or something like that. I did actually have a Twitter account suspended for overposting of uh, promotional stuff. And, Serious? Uh, yeah. And it was like, wow. It was my actual first Twitter account back in 2008, and like I had, I was using a third-party tool, and that's what bit me because I had the same tweet getting put out like every four hours, okay. and I had like a series of three or four of them. So like, basically like every hour I was having a, a, a tweet go out, and like every four hours is a repeat. You know, the cycle started over. So yeah, and they saw that as spam, and rightfully oh. so. Okay. And so they I suspended the account, and I like. And I messaged them. They're like, okay, well, if you want this account unsuspended, you need to turn off these third-party apps yeah. and suspend such practices of spamming our community. Like, yes, sir. And I, so I turned it <laughs> off, and they they put turned me back on, and boom, I'm yeah. like, where you go. But right I I wound up rebranding that one. It's like I don't even know what the what one that 
it wound up being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There have been several um, Twitter accounts because you can like change the actual name of them. You can completely change the username and you can completely repurpose a Twitter account. So I've, I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. So I'm not sure what that one wound up being. It's one of them that I still currently use, but I'm not sure which one. Yeah, I've had a couple in the past that I didn't really take very seriously. And then when I, you know, kind of decided to make Twitter be my kind of outlet for reaching out to other people um I, I made a you know a brand new one with links to all my newest stuff on it and you know you get it you you get back what you put into it you know if you put time into trying to grow your audience it's gonna show you know and before i wasn't really taking it that seriously so i just got rid of that old account and started fresh <clears throat> yeah at last count now granted up some of these are old ones I've pretty much abandoned. I'm not actively working. I have 14 Twitter accounts. Oh my God. <laughs> but wow. I'm currently actively working five. Okay. And I just added a sixth one because I just actually, I repurposed a Twitter account. It was from my old band that I'd started that I haven't done anything with this account in a couple of years now. I just repurposed it and renamed it just this morning so I have a Twitter account for my current band now because there was no Twitter account for them. They never, nobody had ever set up a Twitter account for it. So I'm like, I got this, guys. Right on. <laughs> they figured out pretty quickly that um, they need somebody to run their social accounts. That I'm the guy to do handle that. So yeah, there you go. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Like I told them this morning, they're like, um, like Brad, my singer, he was. He was saying, man, I was uh, I was the one being the social. It was just this morning I had this conversation with him via text, and like I was the one that was like, oh, we're in our social accounts, man. But I've, I'd rather step aside and let you take care of that. I was like, it, yeah, dude. For me, like I'm all over like all the platforms all day, every day. Adding one more Twitter account is like no big freaking deal. So. Yeah, yeah. Do it, do it up. So as trust kills at as trust kills. <laughs> Right on. There's nothing on there yet, but maybe by the time this episode airs in a few weeks, there will be. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely be posting some stuff up on there soon. I'll probably, I may even do a Twitter live. I may on there and do some crazy stuff on our next practice session. Who knows? There you go. <clears throat> so, I wanted to talk to you about your music, though. We've been just BSing about everything else, which <laughs> I, I absolutely love. That's actually how my my last conversation went this morning i told you you know i broke that record for the longest episode yeah. we were over we were like an hour and a half in before i even really asked her about her music <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just get to talking and it goes in all yeah. different directions that's and, and that's the great thing about doing this i just get to sit and hang and visit with some cool people yeah and that's that's all it really is and i've got to ask some questions once in a while to kind of help get their you know music understood and heard but um right. basically we're just hanging man i've i've tried to model what i'm doing after what joe rogan does right. i know joe rogan by any stretch of the imagination but that's a um, good model though that's a good model yeah yeah because he just likes to sit and hang and talk with his people and it at some point in there he like asks them about what they're doing you know and has them you know give a chance to promote their latest book or whatever they've got out and and but he's just hanging and visiting with and just making a new friend if it's not somebody who's already a friend of his he has on regularly you know. I think just, you get you get the most meaningful content that way if you know if you just you're not 
you're not trying to sell anything. You're not, you're not following a scripted deal. You know, you're just kind of, you know, the podcast is two people just getting to know each other and what they do. I mean, like that's, I think, in my opinion, is where you get the most um, kind of cool content out of people. Yeah, and the thing is, there's no agenda. Right. Exactly. The only agenda is exposure, and I'm, I mean, that's that's a given. We wouldn't we wouldn't sit here and do this and post it for the world to hear if we weren't wanting to gain some exposure. From exactly. It. Yeah. I mean that. And that yeah, but yeah. everybody that's doing anything in the public eye wants exposure, and that's they want people to hear it, and, and yep. that's, so that's a given. But uh, yeah. besides that, there's no ulterior motives. There's no agenda. Just the only agenda is to hang out and have a good time. There you go. So that being said, let's let's get into your music a little bit here, Mike, because uh, like I've said a couple of times via email to you and in the uh, episode that actually just aired this morning as we're recording this, your Indie Artist Spotlight episode just aired today. Nice. And uh, I really enjoyed putting it together. I sat and listened to each song like probably three or four times as I was going as I was going through that. So I could sit and listen to the I would like kind of just focus on the instrumentation and the mix and the and all the stuff in the background and do one pass through where I just focus intently on the lyrics, you know, so I could kind of get this feel for the story that's being told. And so I was really trying to I, I try to do that. I try to listen three or four times through. So I pick up on enough to really actually say something in t- remotely intelligent about it afterwards. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. If you want to be able to say anything about it you kind of have to absorb it a little bit and exactly <clears throat> biggest thing that strikes me about your music is the wide range of influence that i can hear when i listen to these tracks and like one track will be a completely different realm of influences than the next one and this there might be a couple of overlap but then there's like five or you can hear five or six different you know different other genres that are all being referenced and being an influence on this track. And maybe two of those are influencing this next track over here, but there's two or three other ones that are in the mix on that one. So I'm guessing you have a pretty eclectic taste in what you like to listen to. I do. I I guess, um, like I've stated, and I think in an email between the two of us, you know, I'll just, I'm a huge metal head. I love metal. Always have. Um, just loud, aggressive rock. I mean, it's just really kind of my thing. Um, yeah, saying it's always been uh, my go-to. Yeah, but I mean, that isn't the end-all, be-all of it either. It's just um, like I, I grew up in a pretty musical uh, household. My mom was a music teacher, elementary school music teacher, and was giving nice. kids piano lessons and. I never took piano lessons, but uh, she was giving other people piano lessons, and I always enjoyed just kind of sitting at the bench and discovering what kind of weird sounds the piano made. As that that was what tri- tripped my trigger more than learning how to play a, a, a chord or somebody else's song. I was just fascinated with the the sound that it made, and just uh, and. Um, I can relate because my mom had a piano in the house and she played just some at home and she was pretty good and yeah. she really played quite well. But 
that's all she ever did was play play at home for herself for her own enjoyment. Yeah. yeah. Just like my dad had a guitar, a little um, I can't even I can't remember what brand it was. Um, it was a fairly well known brand, but it wasn't like a big name. But anyway, it doesn't matter. He had a little had it and a little PV amp, little like practice amp, like 15 watt amp. Yeah. And uh, he messed around with that song when I was a kid, but like it usually stayed in the closet. He rarely ever brought it out. Like I can remember seeing him play it probably four or five times. Yeah. And he wound up like selling it when I was probably 10 or 12 or somewhere, maybe even younger than that. No, it was, it was after we moved to West Texas. So I was at least like 12 or so. Uh-huh. But he, he, he is again, it was just something he dabbled with. And I did that same thing for many years. So I yeah. get it. Yep. I, I had a guitar. I've, I've had a guitar since I was 11 or 10 or 11 when I got my first one. And uh, it was a little cheap harmony guitar. And it like completely fell apart one day just out of the blue it was it was a classical guitar it originally had nylon strings on it and i'm pretty sure that was my problem because it wasn't made for steel strings yeah right. but i'd had it strong with steel strings for quite some time and yeah. over the course of a few years like i was sitting in my bedroom one day watching tv i was like 14 i think or so at the time me yeah i had to have been 14 um i'm sitting on my bed watching television and it's across the room and my guitar is propped up against the wall, like right beside the TV on the little stand I had it on. And, uh, I'm just minding my business, chilling, watching television when suddenly this insane sound erupts from that guitar as the bridge decided to disintegrate. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. I bet that was, uh, I bet that, uh, made some pretty, Pretty cool sounds was, as that happened. Oh, it was crazy because all that tension from those steel strings on that bridge is all holding the, the you know the bottom end of them in place. Yeah. And it was not designed to take this tension of steel strings. Yeah. Over the course of a couple of years, it gave way and it literally thousands of pieces of wood flying like all the way across the room. I'm like ducking shrapnel, you know. <laughs> that would have been and a great. Strings. That would have been a great event to. Oh, to record like oh, actually, i wish i'd had it. i wish i'd had it on film that was that would have been yeah. epic yeah <laughs> but sadly that was i think we had like a giant vhs you know recorder back in those days oh yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that you damn sure didn't have a phone with a camera in it the phone was something that was tethered to the wall attached to the wall yes yeah. i remember but, those days well the sounds of strings going bang, 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 yep. and flopping around and slapping against the wall and the window and the television and wood flying everywhere. That was quite an experience. So yeah, my next, my next guitar, my grandfather got for me that next year for my birthday when I turned 15 nice. and he bought me this little Martin Sigma acoustic. It's their, their lower end model, kind of like the Gibson, um, Epiphone line. Um, this, yeah. Um, it's a good brand, but it's their their lower model. Lower end, sure. Yeah, their lower end models. And he picked it up, used it at a pawn shop back then, and gave it to me for my fifteenth birthday. And I'm 48, and I've still got it. <laughs> Very good. Hey, that says a lot about it. Years now. Yeah. It's, it's still plugging away. It it had it needed some work. I took it into my guy, and he like adjusted the action on it, and made it way better. But yeah, right. Nice. It's still it's still going and it still has an amazing tone and I can put it in the case and pull it out a month from now and it'll still be in tune. Nice. Every that's, time. That's pretty rad. Except for like right after putting a set of strings on it, you know, might, they might stretch a couple times, but after that, 
dude. That's normal. It's take a minute for yeah, takes a minute for strings to. Of course, yeah. They have to stretch out a little bit for the first little bit. Yep. But I've never had a guitar that would stay in tune like that one does. I've got four or five other ones here now, and just in the course of playing, like last night, a three-hour band practice, I had to like tune up my top string. Yeah. It's typically the low E string, but it's um, on this, we play in drop C, so it's my C string. Um, I had to uh, had to tune the damn thing three or four times just during band practice, but I did just restring it a couple weeks ago. So that, again, back to that, it's still stretching. Yep. Yeah. And when you're playing pretty aggressive stuff and you're hammering the hell out of that top E string and then bending and doing the little warbles with it and everything, yeah, that, pulls, that pulls it out of tune too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's going to go out from time to time. I'm interested to know what goes into the thought process when you're putting a song together because there's, like I said, there's so many different influences can be seen in one song yeah are, are you like you're probably not even conscious of that at the moment you're just kind of like have a concept in mind and work through it and those influences just naturally come into play so i, I bet you're not thinking well hmm let me take a little bit of hard rock over here and that's gonna put a little bit of edm with it something but no <laughs> yeah no it's nothing like that it's uh it's funny it's because than that right yeah i mean it it wasn't until recently, maybe like 2015, that I put out an album called Juxt that I actually started to care about what others might take from the music. Before that point, it was very much just kind of a mental, an audible mental dumping of chaos and madness and, and like I, I was always shocked when anyone wanted to hear anything like that so it was just like uh but then you know I, I started listening to some close friends of mine say you know maybe you should kind of narrow it down a little bit and see what happens if you actually follow some some traditional song type structures you know and I said yeah I, you know I'll give that a shot and um they turned into more of a more songs than than they were just kind of these um, these dumps of uh, mental anguish or whatever was going through my mind at the time, you know. So I, I just kind of started to hone the songwriting craft a little bit, and um, yeah, there's no there's no there's no denying that I have a a, a big love for uh, industrial uh, and old school metal, but also at the same time, I'm a big, like some of the, the two biggest players in my inspirational um, background are, are uh, Aphex Twin and Nine Inch Nails and uh, The Cure and Depeche Mode too. But, um, but then I also grew up in the Midwest playing in some rock bands and I, I don't know if you know if you follow any of uh, some of the bands that come out of that area bands like um shiner is a is a huge one just a phenomenal band um i've heard of them but i'm not overly familiar uh another band called hum um just some some heavy not 
definitely not metal bands by any stretch, but they have a, you know, they've got more of an aggressive, harder edge and they're not something you'd typically hear on the radio. And it was, it kind of developed into its own sound, kind of the Midwest sound, if you will. So I've got those influences too, you know, and I played in a rock band uh, for a really long time and it was, it was heavier. It was loud. People would always comment on how loud we were and <laughs> just kind of, um, so I've got that kind of as my, this is what I did growing up, played in loud rock bands, but then also kind of when I realized that um, there were other influences that I had that maybe wouldn't transfer over too well to the, the rock band that I was playing in, that's when I started doing solo stuff. And it was very all over the map. It was kind of, and it wasn't really intentional. It was just like, I, I know that I like this sound. I know that I like that sound. I know that I love the way these two notes go together, whatever the case may be. And, and that just kind of ended up being my music, I guess. And it, it was a lot of industrial influences, a lot of, a lot of eighties synth influences. Um, some of my, my, some of the earliest bands I got into were because of my big brother, which is usually the case. And uh, it was a lot of Brit pop stuff like uh, The Cure, uh, Blur, The Smiths, um, Ned's Atomic Dustbin is kind of a, a big, a big influence on my guitar playing. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, that's neat that somebody from an outsider's point of view can listen to it and hear that there's all those different things going on because when I'm doing it, I don't necessarily know that that's happening, but like it's, you know, it's cool to hear someone be like, yeah, there's a, a broad spectrum of influences going on there. So it's, it's neat to hear other people's takes on that. It sounds like it's been kind of just like a stream of consciousness thing that you kind of get into this zone and then you kind of refine it down from there. Yeah, I like I can't really and set aside. Let it kind of come organic. Yeah, I, I don't really ever set aside time to sit down and write music. That's just not how it works for me. Like I, I could yeah, be. I, yeah, I mean, I could I could be at work writing a song in my head. And I'll, you know, I'll sneak away to the bathroom and record it on my phone, you know, just just like the main little ideas. And then it kind of goes from there and months go by where I just kind of process that idea in my head. And finally, I sit down at the computer, open up Pro Tools and just start making it happen. Sometimes it takes from conception to completion. It's sometimes it's taken upwards of three months for me to complete one song. Um, I believe it. Yeah, because it's like I kind of produce it and write it and realize it at the same time. It's not like I have this song that is is written on a guitar that I can just put into a computer program. I kind of do it all at once, and um, <laughs> it's kind of a it's it's kind of a messy process, uh, especially when you try and collaborate with other people. It's just like they're like, "What the hell are you 
where are you right now? <laughs> but it's your process. That's just yeah. it. it's, it's a personal yeah. it's a personal thing. We all experience it in our own way. We from the creation side to the consumption side. Like I was just talking with Lauren earlier today on my previous um, interview I just did yeah. about this very thing. We're talking about how not only the creation is so just uniquely personal to each of us, but also how we consume music is uniquely personal to each of us. Like absolutely we got into the discussion of the comparison between our two listening styles like she's like all about vocals and such kind of like more like my daughter is she's she my daughter can't stand an instrumental tracks because she wants to hear words she wants to hear vocals she wants to hear the story being told during the song me i don't even know there are vocals until at least the, probably the third time i listen to a song yeah yeah <laughs> the the words are like just kind of there in the background i'm listening to the instruments it has a lot to do i think from the conception side of it too it has a lot to do with where you are at in your life when you hear it um you know there there are certain albums like uh morning phase by by beck it's a fantastic album but it means aside from aside from it being a fantastic album it means something probably totally different to me than anyone else in the world because it just happened to be the album that i kind of clung to and processed uh, shortly after my father passed away. And it was just, you know, like I said, it's, you know, kind of when you hear things and what's going on in your life has kind of a direct impact on how an album sits in your mind and how it stays in your mind. At least it does for me. always has, you know. Oh, exactly. Like, I mean, there's so many songs or albums that I can think back to and, it puts me right in that moment where I first heard it. Yep, exactly. And it's and that that's that's unique to you and only you. And that's that's really the cool thing about music is it's it's something different to every one of us. It's a pretty neat thing. I like to tell the story of when I first discovered who has continued to be to this day to be my all time favorite band has always been Metallica. Since <laughs> yeah. I, since I since I first discovered them. And I can remember exactly where I was, who was there, what we were doing when I first heard them ever. And it was on, it was actually on their Justice for All album, which turned out it was their fourth album. I had no idea they'd existed prior to that. Yep. Yep. Shortly after, went back and picked up their back catalog and got familiar with it. But um, Justice was out in, this was in, I wasn't driving yet, but it was my so early on it was the summer between my freshman and sophomore year which would have put it 1987 yeah yeah um justice was out it had just dropped earlier that year i think and i had one friend that summer who we lived out in west texas near lubbock and if you don't have any idea where that is it's dallas is about six hour drive east from there Okay. And he had a cousin that lived down here, so he was – somehow that summer he managed to get a chance to come down and stay with his cousin for a few days and go to the Monsters of Rock tour that was being played here in the Cotton Bowl. Okay, yeah. And, and I don't know if you remember the Monsters of Rock tour back in those days, but they were huge, like, weekend-long events with like I do. I 20, do 30 bands. That. I think yep. Van Halen was actually the main headliner that year, this one. I think they headlined it for several years back <coughs> there for a while. But he got back and like he called me and my other buddy Chris, Corey. Shout out Corey Harrelson for turning me on to these guys. He called up Chris and I both separately, of course, because there was no like you know 
group texting or anything back then. Right. <laughs> he right. called us. He called us. He jumps in. And what are you doing? You know, Friday or tomorrow or whatever it was, or tonight. I think it was tonight. He's like, "What are you doing tonight?" He's like, "Nothing." He's like, "You need to come over and spend the night." I've got something you need to hear. Both of us wound up going over there to stay the night at his house that night, and we got there. And he said, "As soon as I got back, I had to go get this cassette." Like as soon as he got back to town, he went to the store. He actually might have even bought it like here in Dallas before he came home. I come to think of it, he had heard this band, and he had we had to hear him too. And he put in and Justice for All, and the three of us sat there and listened to that thing front to back, nonstop, yeah. and just were like in awe. That was a life-changing moment for me <laughs> because that pretty much changed the direction of my music fandom and eventually my own music playing. Yeah, I mean, Metallica is, I, th I think Metallica is pretty big on a lot of people's list i i have similar stories you know i my a friend of mine we i grew up skateboarding with and he introduced me to metallica because he was his brother showed him and i think the first album i heard was ride the lightning and then after i fell in love with that i like you did got everything they ever put out i kind of fell off the map after the black album but um everybody did yeah i know i'm there I'm to not... load and reload and there was like each of them had like two pretty decent songs on them, but the rest yeah. of them was just filler fluff. And then they had like St. Anger, which that there was no reason for that really to exist, but it's still better than Lulu. Are you familiar with Lulu at all? I am familiar with Lulu. I am. Yes. A lot of people have never even heard of that one. It's like, I don't know why Metallica thought they need to do a collaboration with Lou Reed, but yeah, no good could come from that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wasn't a big fan, but you know, you, you start following certain bands less than you did at one point. And then like, I think that it's pretty cool that they're still going, you know, and they're yeah, I just saw all... them last year. I took them, I took my daughter to see them for her first concert just last year. Nice. I actually saw them at Lollapalooza of all places. Uh, in in your neck of the woods, actually, it was down in Houston, Texas. And that had to have been 95 or four, maybe. Whenever they played Lollapalooza, it was on that tour and it was in Texas. Oh, and I remember, remember we, we played it smart and we, we left as like right in the middle of their set so we could actually get the hell out of there. But, um, I did that a couple of times. I went to an Oz fest. We like left about halfway through Ozzy's set because it's yeah. like, let's get out here before the traffic gets bad. Exactly. Yeah. And it was already late, and it was on a Sunday. It's like, we both got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. It was my brother and I. Yeah. And he had an hour drive after we left. There. Yeah. yeah. I had like a 15-minute, 20-minute drive. He had like an hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Metallica, yeah, I think everyone's got a soft spot in their heart if they've been doing music for a majority of their lives and they're, you know, around our age, especially. That they... It played some part, at least, you know, whether you still follow them or not. But, yeah, I mean, Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning, Justice, huge, just hugely influ influential records. And I remember... Even Kill Em All. Go Kill Em All, yeah. The beginning. I played bass guitar before I ever picked up a six-string guitar. And, like, I, I, I would get the tablature books for Ride the Lightning yeah. and Master of Puppets and for bass and that's kind of how i learned how to play a fretted stringed instrument before then i was i played violin and in, in school and i 
played the stand-up bass as I got a little bit older, but then I uh, picked up a guitar. <laughs> kind of like your story. I, my, my mom had a guitar. She had a nylon string classical guitar, just like yep. you were talking about. And I started to, I just picked it up. And once I got past just kind of the initial fascination with the sound it made, which was, you know, that was just kind of how it started. But then I started to listen to these bands like The Cure and Ned's Atomic Dustbin, these, a lot of these Brit pop bands. And just kind of by ear, I would try and figure out these little, nothing fancy, guitar solo just rhythm anything that like i would just try to figure it out by playing it by ear and sometimes i'd succeed sometimes i wouldn't but then uh that's all you could do back in those days you had to just work it out like i remember yeah. i had a yeah. had my little my stereos at the at home when i was a teenager and i was doing the same thing and trying to learn some of these just learning riffs like not even songs or anything yep. just like a specific riff out of a song yep. and you'd like had the cassette you so you couldn't jump back to the uh beginning of the track but you'd listen through it and get it right to that riff you wanted to learn and you click the little tape counter and reset it to zero yeah <laughs> right at that point yep. that way you could play through that riff and then you could like rewind it back to zero and play yeah. through it again and you and i would sit there like for the intro to fade to black by metallica that that yeah. acoustic intro yep. there's no telling how many hundreds of times i sat there and did that just to try to work that thing out yeah and yeah it's just a pretty much a basic uh arpeggiated b power chord but with and it has an inversion and it's pretty simple musically speaking you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. theory-wise, it's pretty simplistic, but actually making the stretch is I've always found a little difficult. It's this odd finger pattern, and but James did a lot of that kind of shit. So. It's and always, he was really good at arpeggiating those chords like that and making it sound like much more complex than than just a basic chord strumming. There's nothing more fascinating than those first few times when you're a youngster and you pick up a guitar and you you're realizing that you're playing, you know what your heroes are playing and you're you're able to do it and just kind of that initial fascination with wow i'm playing guitar right now and i'm playing a song that i know and it's yeah i mean that, those are some pretty fascinating times you know i know it's really it's really fun and then you like you go over to a friend's house and and he has a guitar there and you're like oh let me see it. i want to play this for you and like you play this one little riff through one time yeah and, and then you stop and they're like yeah We'll keep going. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. So it kind of lets, it gets, kinda lets yeah. the wind out of your sails a little bit. You're like, uh, sorry, man, I can't. I haven't learned the rest of it. <laughs> Just know the one part. That's all I got, man. Sorry. What a trip down memory lane this has been so far. <laughs> yeah, right. And my daughter, she's a drummer. She's 12 now. She started drumming when she was eight. And, nice. Uh, um, and Developed into a pretty damn good singer too, but um, her first drumming idol ever was Lars. Oh yeah. So her first concert had to be. <laughs> had to be. Yeah. So we had to drive out to Lubbock to go see him. But the funny thing was, it's about a five-hour drive west up here. Yeah. Um, funny part was that's where I first saw him back in '88 on the Damage Justice tour when Justice nice. was new. Like about a year after the whole incident where the dude brought the cassette back. They yeah. came to Lubbock, and it was like 40 miles away. And me and that dude that turned me on to him yeah. and another friend of ours all went and see him, went to see them up there. 
it's it's really cool to go back um what's that 88 and then to 2019 so 31 years later yeah it was in a different facility there in Lubbock because they'd built a new arena there it wasn't in the same old college coliseum that they played in before I was a little disappointed in that because I really thought it would have been super cool if my daughter saw them in the exact same venue that I first saw them in yeah but close enough yeah, that would have been cool. But yeah, close enough for sure. It was a fun time, though. Mm-hmm. I'd go back again tomorrow if I could. Yeah. Except maybe somewhere different this time because Lubbock is not – yeah. I'm from out there. I'm from a little town south of Lubbock called Brownfield. Okay. All one word. And yeah. it's aptly named because if you look around, it's all you see is Brownfield. <laughs> Perfect name. There for are it. there are uh, city name town names out there are very aptly named like the uh, town Plainview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it's all you see. Uh, there's a couple others that are not coming to me, but it's like, yeah, man, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Level Land. Level <laughs> Land. It, that it's pronounced called? Level Land, but it's Level Land is how it's spelled. It's like, gee, that pretty much sums it up. So you know, that's actually where I was born. <laughs> okay. Level land. But uh, yeah, I've always told people that Brownfield, the, my what I claim is my hometown, is a really good place to be from. Yeah. Far from. <laughs> <laughs> that way, okay. Yeah. As far as you can get. I like to, I like to be able to breathe without having to chew before I inhale. <laughs> <laughs> they still get dust storms, sandstorms out there. Oh wow, yeah. Significantly, you know, when I was growing up, I, I remember there would be times it'd be three o'clock in the afternoon, and the street lights would come on because the dirt in the air was so thick, it was blocking enough of the sun out to trigger the photocells. Jesus. Oh, it, wow. The street lights thought it wasn't da- nighttime. Crazy. Yeah, very crazy. It's all right to go visit. I've still got some friends out there. It was kind of cool to go check up on them because, like, I had not been there. And I'd been to Lubbock once the year before briefly, but I hadn't been over to my little hometown in almost exactly – it was, like, about two months shy of 20 years. Okay. And it was the first time my daughter had ever been there. And so it was kind of not neat to take her and, like, drive by and show her to the old house where I grew up and crap like that. Go yeah. some church. She was bored to tears with it after about five <laughs> minutes, but <laughs> good to good to show the youngsters where you come from, though. Yeah, these are your roots right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Um. So what what products do you have in the works currently? Um. Well, I just put out a little five song EP called Motives. That's a couple months couple months old now um but just before you and i started this conversation i was working on something new that seems to be materializing and i just judging on kind of where we are right now in the music industry and like people's generally short attention spans i i I just i i like the i like the idea of just putting out these little five song EPs. And that's kind of what I'm working on right now is the follow up to the last one I put out, which was called motives. And, um, I just, so I just kind of, I'm trying to put out like a five song EP a year 
and I mean that that should kind of show you how long it takes for me to <laughs> go from like to, from starting a project to ending a project. I mean, it like it it really does. It takes months sometimes for me to oh, yeah. say yeah, yeah, that song is done now. So it's like it take I can probably put out about a five song five to seven song EP every year. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of my goal right now is to just keep cranking these things out and. Um, but I, I can't write music on a schedule. I just can't. Like I, I, I have to. I have to go out and live life. And and you have to feel it. I mean, you have to be yeah. in the zone. You can't just right. like it's it's not on demand. You can't just snap your fingers and go. Okay, yep, I'm writing right now. It doesn't work that way. The creative no. process just does not work that way. It really doesn't. And like I've often won- get I've inspired. Often- yeah, I've often wondered and talked to my wife about this. I'm like, if I actually did this for a living, that would just be really strange because I'd have to like hunker down and, you know, do music at this time. And, you know, it just doesn't, I often wonder if it wouldn't even work because it's like, I kind of have to, you know, the things that end up on in songs that I actually release to the public, I mean, the roots of them don't come from me sitting on my couch with a guitar they they uh a lot of it happens at work like a like i'm writing the song and the lyrics in my head and i know that feeling yeah and then i flush it out you know on a weekend like today like i'm like okay i've had this song and every idea that needs to go into it in my head driving me up the wall for a month now now i've got to like finally materialize it and put it into into the computer and make something happen with it. So it's like life really just kind of writes the music. I'm just kind of along for the ride, you know, and like the only way it gets down to uh, actually being something that someone else can listen to is uh, when I, when I sit down at the computer and find time to be able to do that and actually make the song happen. But like, as far as it being written, it's very difficult for me to like say, okay, at eight o'clock tomorrow, I'm going to sit down and write a song. That's, that just doesn't happen. That's never been the case with me. So it's just kind of a, it's kind of a spontaneous thing. And after, after every single time I put out a, a record, I, I always question if it'll be the last one, because I always kind of go through this stretch of time where it's just like, nothing's coming. And I'm like, Oh, well, that could very well be it. You know, <laughs> and just, but I always end up finding some topic that uh, I feel is worth writing about. And it always kind of starts there. I, I, I always, if I don't have something important to say uh, lyrically, everything kind of goes to hell from there. Like, it, it, so everything either kind of starts or doesn't start, whether or not I have something that I, think might be an interesting thing to dissect lyrically um and it's you know various topics um as you and i discussed like addiction is kind of a big one for me it has been in the past and you you kind of get to a point where it's like okay i've written about that and time to move on to other things but it always kind of creeps back in and um i decide to write about it from another angle and um but you know various topics usually 
not the happiest of topics. I, I, I don't really mm-hmm. write I don't really write about going to the park with your dog or eating cheeseburgers <laughs> or having a good time with your friends. It's never been really what I've chosen to write about. It's always been these these topics that have kind of gnawed at me for a majority of my life, but those feel like they are worth writing about to me. And I'm not trying to put down anyone that writes about happy topics, more power to them, but it's just for me personally, it's always been something that uh, I I write about the kind of mental thorns in my side, if you will. uh, Again, it's all just a personal process, man. You've, you've got to do you, you've got to be authentic. And that's, that's the only way to be, man. I feel you. Like I've nope. I've kind of kicked around the idea of like I'd like to write a song um, dedicated to my daughter. Yeah. Because she's like, I mean, I, I care more for her than like every other human combined. But right. Um, right. And then like the rest of my family is you know a close second. But um, it's just I I could I just can't feel inspired to put that into lyrics and it just nothing really ever comes to mind when i think try to think of it and so i haven't gotten anything done with that but like sometimes like the stuff you know my situation with my mother and what she's gone through with her dementia and all that mentioned earlier um yeah that was like weighing on me it's like i should probably write a song about this at some point and uh but that was all it ever was and there's like one day when i was at lunch i was out to lunch by myself um my old job and uh i had this idea and i just pulled out my phone and the little note note um app on my phone and started going started typing away and in like 10 minutes i had an entire song written and yeah. it's just the way it works and when the inspiration it's, strikes it strikes and if you don't write it down it's gonna be gone yeah you kind of it, it's pretty fickle isn't it you know you just kind of you if it's there it's there and if you don't do anything with it you're gonna regret it and it's um that's yeah i i completely know what you're saying even like Um, riffs i'm not much of a lyricist but every once in a while i'll catch fire like that but like guitar riffs like i can't count how many times i've been at work and i'm just like a riff will come to mind and like this little uh, just a little rhythm just a little few little notes like five or six notes and a little pattern and i'm I'm like hmm that sounds like something workable and Mm -hmm. i'll go over go it play it over in my head think okay where would i go with it from here and then add a little bit to it and get a little decent little section built up in my head and i'm just playing it over and over and over in my head for most of the day and the most frustrating things are either when you forget it you get home you're like crap how did that go again or you get home and you can hear it in your head but you can't seem to find the notes on the guitar it's like what the hell i can hear it why can't i produce it that's a frustrating moment isn't it it is, and like I wish I had never thought about doing it. But you you mentioned earlier sneaking away to the bathroom to record it. I wish I'd have ever thought to just like go in the bathroom and just hum the yeah. melody of it. I can't tell you how many songs that I've never done that. That would There's there's quite a few of my songs that wouldn't exist today had I not done that exact scenario, or I just sneak away somewhere real quick and on my you know smartphone just hum it or yeah, do, so like easy a, now. do like a beatbox thing into your phone and just so just so you can remember it 24 hours later you know and then then, okay. then you you go with it when you've got time to materialize it but yeah i mean 
it can strike at any time. And if you're not prepared for it, chances are you're going to forget it. And like I, you know, countless forgotten ideas in, in, in my uh, repertoire. But uh, every time something I think is worthwhile, that it just kind of sits in my brain and all of a sudden it pops up, I really, really have to make an effort to do something to remember it for later when I can actually do something with it. Yes, sometimes, it, sometimes it's lyrics, sometimes it's melodies. You know, obviously when it's lyrics, you can just write them down. But with melodies, that's where a smartphone comes in handy, where you just hum it into your phone and record it. And it's there for you to remember later, as opposed to having it be forgotten somewhere in your brain, you know. I'm kicking myself not ever trying that and not ever even thinking to try that because it would have saved yeah. me so much hassle. Even on those moments where you can hear it in your head but you can't mimic it, if you had it honed out and you could listen to it, and you could eas more easily search around and find that note. Exactly. That's all it takes, too, is just kind of one little reminder, mm -hmm. one little uh, recorded reminder, and you're like, yep, now I remember. Because there, there are plenty of times where I didn't record it and – It's gone kicked myself like crazy later because it's like that was cool and i can't remember it to save my life <laughs> very frustrating so yeah smartphones more power to them i also keep um, an ongoing i have a folder in my uh note app my phone for uh, yep. bit ideas for comic comedy bits so okay yeah i, I, I like constantly like I'm I'm the guy you, you hang out with that's like looking for the funny in everything, especially when it's inappropriate to do so. Yeah. <laughs> so right uh, yeah, that that's just that's who I am. Some people like the vibe with that. Some people like my ex-wife it drives them freaking crazy. But mm -hmm. what are you gonna do? It is <laughs> it's, it's, me, it's me and take it or leave it. So. Yeah. But um, like I've got a I, I was so pissed because like I had my my old phone. I had this the Note Keeper app on it, and I had like probably 30 or 40 bit ideas then I'd, I would like you know write down the, the premise and then a few little just a couple little sentences to kind of lead me into it so i remember the setting and what was happening so i could expand on it later yep. and uh, my phone got destroyed and lost it all yeah that's i had crazy. the structure for two full sitcoms oh god written out on there gone <laughs> Had character studies and um, you know different scenarios to put them in. No, nothing actually, written, you know, like script-wise written down yet. But I had like the structure for them for two full sitcoms, all gone. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, like if try and get your ideas recorded somehow and have it in multiple places, whether you know, back like on your up. back it up on your phone or on your hard drive on your desktop or whatever. But um, yeah, I just a lot. I, I'll, I'm looking at the app on my phone right now. It's just called Smart Record. It's just a free little app. You press yeah. record and it's I've got recording. a couple of those. Yeah, so it's just a, it's a lifesaver. I've got one that's just called Voice Recorder. Yep, that's all it is. And it's just enough for you to, like you and I have both said, just hum it into the phone and there it is recorded. And then you can kind of expound on it later when you've got time but it's just enough for you to remember it for later as opposed to having it go in your brain and then disappear forever lost in the ether you know at least it's out there in the universe just no one will ever hear it <laughs> yeah 
Exactly. Very Maybe it'll float into somebody else's head later on, and they'll wind up doing something with it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I had another question I wanted to ask you about something a while ago, and I'll be damned if I can remember what it was now. So it must not have been too important. <laughs> Speaking of forgetting. <laughs> you know, they say when you get older that the memory is the first thing to go. And the second thing is – um, crap, I don't remember what the second thing is. <laughs> It all goes eventually, from what I can tell. <laughs> yeah, but at least I still have my hair. So. Yep. That's not going to last forever either, my friend. <laughs> I got pretty good jeans there. It'll turn gray, but it'll still be there, mostly. Your picture you look uh, on your Skype photo looks like you're doing just fine in the hair department. You got more than I do. Oh, yeah, I've got... My, I got that from my dad's side. My dad and his dad, the day he died, still had a full head of hair. So, wow. my my mom's side, completely different story. Like my dad's side was like we're fairly hairless below the neck, but um, <laughs> full heads of hair. My mom's dad, exactly the opposite. He had fur everywhere except on his head. <laughs> <laughs> he had like a, a little bit that grew above his ears and around the back, and that was it. Even he was bald from the time my first memory of him. But like he had to, when he was shaving, he had to just pick a spot on his neck to stop. And yeah, it was got, just solid fur from there down. <laughs> you gotta love that male pattern balding. That's uh, the bitch. <clears throat> it's like his hair just ran away from the top of his head and went everywhere else. Went everywhere else. Yep. I mean, he had like hairy knuckles and everything. He was a, <laughs> just an extremely hairy guy. Hairy dude. If he had bigger feet, I'd have called him Sasquatch. <laughs> I miss both my grandfathers. One of them died when I was uh, 18, and the other one died when I was, I don't know, 32, 33, somewhere around there. Yeah, I miss still my grandfathers as well. Yep, good people. I still have one surviving grandmother, though, and she's like, gosh, she's in her 80s now. Yeah. Or pushing 80. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, how old am I? I'm pushing 50. That means my dad is pushing 70, which, geez, that means my grandmother's pushing 90. Because we're all like about eight, 18, 19. Uh, my dad's like 19 years older than me, and, and his mom is 18 years older than him, 18 or 19. Okay. Yeah. So they were a couple of generations there of being pretty young parents. So. Yeah. yeah. And I came along. I was 36 before my kid was born. Yep. Yeah, it's like I, I was I – was, I'm the youngest of three kids, and my mom had me when she was – 35 so she's my 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 mom is 76 yeah so it's she's getting up there my mom was 18 when she had me wow <laughs> crazy and my dad had just turned 19 like like a month and a day before i was born <laughs> wow it started young huh yeah, yeah they did right out of high school high yep. school sweethearts married and Still nope. together to this day, well, as much as they can be now. Yeah, that's pretty rare these days. <laughs> Extremely rare. Yep. Uh, my, myself have been divorced twice, and yeah, they say third time's a charm, but I'm gonna take the word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious, well. We're pushing the hour and a half mark here, so I'm probably should let you go get back to what you were doing. I'm sure you've got more important things to do than sit here yakking with me. <laughs> no, I'm, man. 
I, I appreciate I, you taking the time, though. I've, I've enjoyed it. I, I really uh, appreciate what you're doing and uh, appreciate you reaching out and doing something like this. You know, I, I don't I don't get requests for interviews every day. Let's just put it that way. So uh, I, I really appreciate that and appreciate what you're trying to do for the for the little guys. It, um, I, I think I speak for everyone when I, I say it's it really is appreciated when when something you do catches on with somebody else and they and they want to lend a helping hand it's it's a big deal doesn't happen very often so let me just thank you well i have to say ditto then so thank you for helping support what i do absolutely um i I get to i'm not really doing anything i get to hang out and talk with people like you and have a good time and listen to your music (laughs) and and give my thoughts on it and i I just enjoy it so that's good it's it's fun for me. I don't even, this is not even like work. So yeah, well, good. It's all the more reason to keep doing it. Absolutely. I don't see this stopping anytime soon. I, I'm up to right now, currently um, releasing, counting the um, spotlight episodes. I'm releasing three episodes a week now. Good for you, man. Keep these, it up. Ep- these, these interview episodes drop on Mondays and then, and then the spotlight episodes on Wednesdays, Wednesdays and Fridays. And it may not be every Friday for in the future, but, We'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just do it when you can, you know, do it, do it as life allows it to happen. That's kind of all you can do. Yeah. Like <laughs> last week I took a hiatus cause I was just, uh, I, a, I had my daughter most of last week. I heard like, she was spending not like five out of seven days here last week. So, okay. uh, so that was kind of cool. I was spending time with her. So I, and I kind of like got behind her. Didn't realize like she was spending the night again, Sunday night. She usually goes home to her mom, back to her mom's on Sunday evening. She's over here for the weekend, but she wound up staying and not going home till Monday. And it just didn't click to me that, dude, just because she's here doesn't mean you don't still have a podcast episode you need to edit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I didn't even think about that on Sunday night, and that kind of put me behind the eight ball. And so I didn't have that episode ready to drop for Monday morning. So I was like – and I was kind well, of just like in a – I was dealing with some baby mama drama, actually, I was on top of that. So I just wasn't in the mood. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to scrap this week. I'm going to just – this week just didn't happen. In the podcasting world, we're, we'll come back strong next week. And it well, seemed to have worked out. <laughs> good for you, man, for putting family first. That's obviously the most important thing. Yeah, my kid, um, you know, I'm, she's the most important thing to me. And I'm a lot of this, what I'm doing now, the long-term goal here is mainly for her benefit. Yeah. I say it. Mainly, there's a large part of it. It's, uh, like I have my band I want to try to put on as well at some point. We don't have any recordings out yet, but when we do, I'm going to have plenty of people that will help share my stuff also. So that will that helps with that as well. But I'm trying to put together an agency that's going to be a talent management agency slash recording partner. I don't even like to say record label because record labels are an outdated thing. They don't even need to exist anymore unless you're a big you know, commercial pop star and you need that machine for you. Yeah, right. But, like indie artists don't need a label per se. They need someone to just kind of help them out and help them secure funding to get their label, their records recorded and to get it out to the public. So it's a whole different way of approaching the music industry we're working on, but I'm wanting to build this agency up so that when my daughter is ready and she, you know, she's an up and coming musician herself when she's ready to pop off and get her band together and get them going. I can be like, all right, I got everything you need right here. We'll get you going. So, so much That's is my ultimate goal. So much has changed from 
just even 20 years ago. Like, I mean, not yeah, to mention yeah, like everything, not, <laughs> not to mention 50 years ago, because I mean, like so many more people are, are realizing that they can do a lot of things on their own, like myself included, where it's just like in 2012, I got a laptop and put Pro Tools on there. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I just stuck at it and figured things out thanks to YouTube and Google and forums and whatnot. Before you know it, I'm recording my own records, whereas, you know, before then I would always have to rely on someone else to do the recording. But now it's just if you've if you've got a little bit of money to get a a, a, just even a small recording uh, outfit together, like like me, I'm I've just got two monitors and uh, my iMac. It's got Pro Tools on it. I've got my guitars in the back and I just do everything with that. You know, 20 years ago with my band, I, I, you have to go into a, a studio and pay yeah. through the nose to be in that studio. It's things, you know, things have changed a lot even since then, where it's just so many people are, are capable of doing it on their own now. They don't have to have this huge ass budget for recording. So exactly. And that's that's, that's the beauty of it. And I love that aspect of it. It's it's just so much easier and it's more accessible. Yeah, yeah. To everybody, that means there's more, more, it, and it's just a win-win. More, there are more people. We don't have to have you know like this giant case full of cassettes that we need to keep in our car. And, yeah, yeah. You know, you could have to swap out tapes to listen to a different artist. You have a, you have your whole like catalog of music that you like on your phone, the device you carry in your pocket everywhere you go, you can just do it anytime you want and you just dream it, mixed, um, shuffled, and, and various artists playing all day. It's just amazing. So there's more music being consumed by, by a wide margin by, yeah. from more artists by more people, which yep. just means the market is there for all the flood of new music that's able to be produced so it's technology has really driven a lot of this from the consumption side and from the production side so it's, it's a very just, a heavily saturated market and it's, it's oh, yeah. hard it's hard for uh, anyone to break into it so i mean that all you can all you can do is keep a, a good work ethic and just con and just whenever you can keep cranking out music and hope hope that it that somebody bites eventually you know and that's kind of the way I've been doing it since 2003 is just make music all the time, whenever you can, and get it out there. And yep. um, all you can do is all you can do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And putting in the work to get heard. Like I have a, a buddy of mine that um, he's he's doing some solo stuff too, just kind of like with you, but he's a metal guy, and uh, he's out there trying to get more exposure and whatnot. And I was just told him the other day, and I was like, dude, you you need to be on Twitter, like, all day. At least yep. off and on, all yep. day. You need to find at least probably 10 different things that you like, music that you like on Twitter, artists that you like, and go share their shit. And then post two or three links to your own stuff on there every day. And, like, every day, every day, every day without fail. Do you do that? You If you share 
10 other artist stuff that you like. Don't just go share random crap that you don't you haven't even listened to. You don't even know if it's any good or not. Go put some time in and find stuff that you like. Or if you know of artists that you like and you see them in your feed, then by all means just go ahead and retweet their stuff. But yeah. and get a and build up a circle of people that you can do that with. I've got a pretty extensive circle now that I retweet damn near everything I see come from them. Yeah. Um, but well, on some accounts, some accounts I kind of don't do as much retweeting on, but I always do some. But if you can retweet and share ten other musician stuff and drop two links to your own stuff every day, you will see results. It's going to take some time, but, it's, yep. but things are going to start to move. It's moving the needle. It's it's like I said. I mean, a lot of it comes down to work ethic, and I mean, I'm even like even on lunch break at work, you know, I'm just checking out new people and retweeting their stuff and. Before you know oh, it, yeah. I got a couple of couple of new followers out of the deal, and you know that's you just gotta you get in what you get out of it, what you put into it, and it's um, that part is has stayed the same, I think, as far as uh, the music industry, if you want to call it that. I mean, hard work goes a long way, and you've really got to put a lot of time into it. You can't just expect it to fall in your lap and or if, someone else. Anything you're gonna do is the same way. It's gonna take work to make it work. It's not going to fall in your lap and no one else is going to do it for you. <laughs> you just got to um, get in there and make people interested. Yeah, there's no little stream for you that's going to come magically sprinkle dust on you to get you more streams from your songs. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, there is definitely not. Yeah, it's it's a good time. It's like it, it has its good and its bad points. I'm like, A, it's easier to get music out. And it's easier to reach people. You've got a direct line right to fans. You can yeah. talk directly to them on a number of platforms. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was years ago where you had gatekeepers. You had the, like radio stations that you had to like beg, borrow, and steal and bribe to get your stuff on the air. Right. Just so you could maybe, maybe get picked up by and catch the eye of an A&R yeah. and eventually get signed from that. You know, and that was like years of work you had to put into that. Yeah. You still yeah. need to put in those years of work, but instead of like trying to just catch somebody's attention here that maybe could put you on, you're trying to get the attention of the actual fan directly. And that's yeah. so if you put in the same amount of work you used to to try to, to pop off 20 years ago, you're going to be huge and you're going to be engaged with your fan base directly. And and that's far better place to be than than having everything filtered through a a label and multiple radio stations and everything else. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it's not going to happen overnight. Like I said, I've been doing so I've been doing solo stuff for 17 years now and I've been in a, I was in a band that started in 1995, you know, so wow. I'm, we're, we're talking a lot of years that I've been trying to make things happen and it just takes a lot of time, you know, it's, it takes a lot of work and, you know, it may I'm, never happen on a big scale, and I'm fine with that. It's if it happens, it's it'll happen. But if it's not meant to, then it's not meant to. You know. Well, another thing with the indie artists and, that we all are nowadays, and um, the market the way it is, we kind of need to re- redefine what making it big is now. Because these two, like you, one big major, like a handful of bands, pretty much dominated a genre. You know. Yeah. And, and you're not going to have that anymore. You're, you're going to have some really big ones, some that really get huge, but there's going to be 
thousands and thousands of artists that are getting lots of streams, lots of ticket sales when they do shows, lots of merch sales and making nice livings and doing very well from themselves and their music is being consumed and enjoyed by millions of people. Yeah. And, and, but they're never going to reach the level of like a Beyonce, you know, that, or like Metallica, as we've talked about before, or someone along those lines, it's like household names at this point, but it's still successful, you know, for you. So, yeah, exactly. And just knowing that, people enjoy your music i mean if you've got a nine to five job and you're set financially with just that and you know realizing that people are are out there actually playing your music and getting something out of it that's that's huge that's that's i mean i'm not gonna lie i'd, I'd love to be making a living at this and when i say make a living that's all i mean i'm not looking for like basically house. replace your salary i'm not looking for uh house in the hollywood hills uh, that'll that'll never happen but i mean it would be it'd be fantastic if one day i was able to pay a cell phone bill with <laughs> you know with income that i made uh, uh through my music and if that if that were to happen that would be like quote unquote making it for me it's just like people enjoying it and wow there's some spare change after that and uh you know I think a but, real. I think people need to just like look at their their expectations, like set mm-hmm. a more real attainable goal. Like, okay, say you make, let's pull a, just a pretty even number, fifty thousand dollars a year at your regular job. Yeah. If you can make like one and a half times your salary doing your music and up to bump it up to seventy five thousand. Yeah. That's hugely successful in my book. I absolutely agree. I mean, a lot of people's expectations are way too high. Yeah, I they're think. all talking about wanting, you know, like Lambos, bottles, and models, and you know, all that kind of nonsense. It's like that's not going to be the majority of people anymore. No, it's not. It's not right. like Motley Crue when they got like you know seven figure advances and go went and blew it all on freaking booze and hookers and drugs. Right. And <laughs> that's not the way the world works anymore. No, it's not. It's, you couldn't. Uh, you wouldn't be able to. You'd have a hard time ever paying back in advance like that these days. I know, and like I said, I think some people ex- expectations are too high, too high. And when you've done it for as long as I have, and have seen, you know, not a lot of results. You, I mean, you 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 get humble pretty quick, and you you just like you know. I I think that is a big thing. Like if if you can manage your expectations and keep your ego in check. I think you'll come out of it happy and content. You know, you don't have, I mean, for me, contentment in all of this is having conversations like this and knowing that somebody thought it was good enough to reach out and say, hey, you want to talk about it? I mean, that's huge. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen every day. And uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Well, I, I really appreciate what you do, and I, like I said, I've said a couple of times now, um, I appreciate the uniqueness of what you do. Your style is – I've never heard anyone who has quite the realm of influences that they incorporate into – so many different influences per track, and it's just it's really 
it's really interesting, and I, I really enjoy it. I've always appreciated uniqueness. It's like when bands like Corn first came around. No one sounded like Corn. They were completely unique. Yeah. Five years, five ten years later, everybody was wanting to be a Corn copycat. Yep. Blink yep. Blink One Eighty Two. That was another band. They came along. They were they kind of took the punk thing and kind of like made it a kind of a punk pop rock type thing, and yep. it was it was neat for what it was. I wasn't a huge fan, but I liked their stuff, you know. And uh, but again, a few years later, there was a thousand little Blink One Eighty Two clones running. Around. Yeah, that's what everyone sounded like. Yep. Yep. Well, thanks, and, man. I I appreciate the kind words and uh, you reaching out. It means a lot. It really does. Man, I appreciate you coming on and taking some time to come and talk with me. This is this is a good time. Absolutely. Anytime. Before we go, why don't you be sure to remind everybody where to find you? Yeah, I like 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 we've discussed, my the two biggest things are well, I guess three, but um it's at MK Allen nineteen seventy eight. That's for Instagram and Twitter. And um I'm up on YouTube. I've got 10 subscribers. <laughs> so I'm looking to rise that number a little bit too. But uh, I think the autonomy talent account right now has 12. <laughs> I'm yeah, right there with you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, at MK Allen 1978. That's kind of where you can find me. Excellent. And I will link up all this in the uh, both in the description. So if you're on your podcast player and you scroll down, the links should be there. But not all podcast players really parse those links very well. Sometimes they're not clickable. So right. you can always go to autonomytalent.com forward slash podcasts and then look up Mr. Michael Allen. You'll find not only this interview episode, but you'll also find his indie artist spotlight episode that was just released as well. So and every, all his stuff is linked in both of those places. Thank you, Bill. Much appreciated. Thank you, Michael. And you have a great rest of your day, man. You as well. We'll talk soon. Absolutely, man. I'll be talking to you soon. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcast. Whether you're listening as you're commuting to work or as you're washing the dishes or mowing the yard, we greatly appreciate you listening and helping us to support indie artists everywhere. Be sure to follow us all over social. You can find us at AutonomyPod, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. And we're also at AutonomyTalent on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, you name it. Or you simply just go to AutonomyTalent.com slash links. From there we have links to where you can listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, be it the Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Play Music, or even Stitcher. And also, there's the Podbean app. They are our hosting service, and they do have their own app. So if you grab the Podbean app, you can actually catch our show, as well as many other podcasts. And lastly, if you go to that links page and you still don't see your favorite podcasting app, the one that you like to use, just drop me a note, and I'll be sure it gets added to whatever player you like to use. To send me a message, just go to Autonomy Talent on either Twitter or Instagram and drop me a quick DM letting me know which app you like to use and I will go immediately, or as soon as I can, and add our feed to that app. And while we're on the subject of sending me a message, if you are an artist and you would like to be interviewed for this show or have your works featured on the Indie Artist Spotlight episodes that we release on Wednesdays and the occasional Fridays, Drop me a line, same way, Twitter or Instagram, and let me know that you'd like to be featured. Shoot me a link with some of your work, and I'll take a look at it, and we'll see what we can do about getting you on the show. And that wraps up yet another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcasts. 
thank you again for listening and i hope you enjoy this half as much as i do because for me it's it's a ball getting to talk to these amazing artists and getting to feature their works on the spotlight episodes that we do it's just it's just fun so i hope you're having fun with it as well and we're going to keep cranking these things out so in closing remember to always live intentionally Thank you.